brace yourself because you're about to dive into another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. And we just want to let you know that whether you're looking for a companion through your paranoid insomnia, entertaining yourself through one of life's mundane activities, or trying to ward off the internal screams of all those sad, smothered souls around the office, THC is here. And you should know that every episode of the Higher Side Chats has an entire second hour for Plus members. Sign up at thehiresidechats.com and you'll get years of Plus show archives, lifetime forum access, a special invite to Greg Carlwood's monthly joint sessions, MP3s of THC music, bonus episodes, tour videos, and 10% off t-shirts, grinders, and whatever else ends up in the Higher Side store. It's $8 a month that you won't miss, so become a Plus member and treat yourself in these troubled times. Always action-packed and commercial-free, which means you'll unfortunately never hear my voice again. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. Well, folks, another day, another deep dive into the things they don't want us to know, and the list is long. We've heard many researchers tell stories of suppressed technologies that defy the carefully crafted scientific box they want us to stay inside of in the realms of anti-gravity, free energy, and medical devices that sound like miracle cures. We've heard about new models they never taught us in school with things like ether physics, exotic properties of electricity and water, plasma dynamics, and organ energy. And we know the forgotten history of alternative fuels like hemp, alcohol, and even water before the oil-only oligarchy made sure they got a decades-long monopoly selling us the only approved option. And something that has been mentioned by many previous guests when it comes to this sort of thing is what's most well-known as Brown's Gas, named after Yol Brown, who dedicated a lot of his life to it in the 1970s, It is a substance which has gone by many names as various people have stumbled across it or attempted to brand and monetize it. But beyond the labels and names, what we're talking about is a process that can be done to water to create a cold, negatively charged, and electrically expanded plasma form of it. Today, the man behind the wheel is the researcher and inventor George Wiseman, who has been working with Brown's gas since the 1980s and has found practical applications for it that range from increased fuel efficiency, powering flame torches that are cool to the touch and cleaning up nuclear waste, to growing bigger plants, increasing the lifespan of pretty much anything, and supercharging our immune systems in a way that seems to make dozens of conditions just melt away. George has been an inventor most of his life, and a lot of his work on things from Brown's gas to free energy and fuel-saving technology can be found on his website, eagle-research.com, and I am psyched to get into it. The great Brown's gas guru, electrically expanded water expert, and inventor extraordinaire, George Wiseman, welcome to the higher side. (laughs) Oh my goodness, what an introduction. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm hardly knowing what to say after all that. You just pretty much synopsized most of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, it is really an honor and a pleasure. And I find this stuff to be super fascinating. Your work has been mentioned here many times, and I'm looking forward to talking to the man himself. 
I've heard so many of your interviews, and it is hard for them to not all start to sound the same when there's so much fundamental education to do on what this stuff really is. I tried to get us a little further downfield with that intro and the basics on the history of Brown's Gas and the technical definition, but just to make sure everyone is on board in the interest of No Child Left Behind, what more would you say about what Brown's Gas is beyond that simple definition of being an electron-dense plasma state of water? Okay. We can get into my history a little bit because your introduction mentioned suppression. Sure. And I have a couple of stories about that. But to answer <laughs> your question specifically, Brown's gas is the entire mixture of gases that evolves or is generated in an electrolyzer specifically designed to make Brown's gas. Michael Faraday, over 150 years, over 170 years ago now, developed an electrolyzer where you could just simply use electricity to split water into hydrogen and oxygen. And because of the way that they did it traditionally, all of those decades and decades, they separated the hydrogen out into one stream and the oxygen out into another stream with a membrane in between. And all science classes, my own science class, everybody does this to get pure hydrogen. And pure hydrogen is very, very good. There's a lot of good uses for it. But back in the Early 1960s, a fellow by the name of William Rhodes, who was literally a rocket scientist, had over 100 patents to his name, and was an advisor to NASA up until he was 95 years old, and then his dementia caught up with him, and he died within a few years after that. I met him personally. He was an amazing man, and his research and mine, our research files were virtually identical. It was astonishing. He allowed me to copy his files. But what happened was he called it a single ducted gas. He developed for a particular application that he was involved in, he developed an uh, electrolyzer that did not have a membrane in the middle. So the hydrogen and oxygen all came out the same hose. It turns out that there was an additional gas made that he wasn't aware of at the time. And I so wish he was still alive because he'd be fascinated with this. Well, that we call the electrically expanded water. So essentially, you could think of the electrolyzer where it has a positive and a negative plate. They call it anode and cathode. And it builds an electron bridge across in the solution in the middle, the catalytic solution in the middle. And because of the way this bridge works with the anions and cations, it actually stuffs electricity into water. So a water molecule actually soaks up electrons like a sponge soaks up water until it becomes an electrically expanded form of water that is not water vapor or steam. It will not condense if you cool it. It's stable, but it's a plasma form of water. You've got four states of matter. You've got your solid, your liquid, your gas, and your plasma. And the plasma is a gas that has this extra, it's ionized. In this case, a negatively charged one, so it has extra electrons. So Brown's gas is a mixture of six different constituents measured with spectrographic analysis. We've discovered this. First, you've got your normal hydrogen, H2, your normal oxygen, O2. And then you have water vapor, which any mixture of water would have some. So you have some H2O that is water vapor. And then you have the weirdnesses ones. You have H, which is a simply hydrogen that is not diatomic. It's monatomic hydrogen, which is not supposed to exist. And you have O, again, oxygen, monatomic oxygen, which is not supposed to exist in a stable state. And then you have this electrically expanded water, which in our electrolyzers takes up about 30 to 40% of the gas. So these six different constituents all come out the same hose. And so 
essentially that's what we call Brown's gas. Brown's gas is gaseous mixture that's generated in an electrolyzer specifically designed not to separate the gases. doesn't have a membrane. So that's my answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yes, it gets pretty technical, but I think that should make sense to everybody. And you did mention the magic word suppression because I've heard you give interviews on a lot of biohacking and alternative health types of shows. And the way I get into these kind of fields is by being interested in suppression, alternative history, corruption, corporate malfeasance. If they're trying to keep something out of the culture, usually for the sake of profits, I'm interested in that kind of thing. And so I end up having to take a crash course in pretty advanced science that even scientists are baffled by, it seems, most of the time. But you said maybe there are some stories of suppression and and trouble in your history. And when I asked the audience for questions, that seemed to be one of the big things they were curious about, too. What can you tell us in that regard? Okay. I grew up on a cattle ranch. And way out in the boonies, we didn't have electricity or anything. We pretty much had to do any, everything ourselves. And there was no indoor running water. It, it's plumbing. So we had gasoline engines. Though dad didn't like to start a tractor or a gasoline engine if he didn't have to. If a horse or a kid would do it, he had seven kids. <laughs> <laughs> but any machinery that needed fixed, we had to learn to fix it ourselves. So I grew up with this MacGyver-type mentality of fixing things with whatever was at hand. And I have quite a few stories about using baling wire and stuff to fix various things. But we can, we can get into that at another time. The point is, I learned how things really work. And my very first pickup truck was a 1966 Ford that we ended up dropping a 361 industrial engine in, and it got as high as 45 miles to the gallon. And I'm going to say accidentally, because I really didn't know that I was doing things that would increase the efficiency that much. I was just doing things that worked. And incidentally, my father would only allow us to fill up the fuel on our personal vehicles once a week, the fuel tank. So, so we had to be very frugal if we wanted to get anywhere and do anything very much. So I kind of fell into the uh, fuel saving business, not knowing that that was a no-no from the powers that be that like to make lots of money from fuel oil and such. So in the uh, starting in the early 70s, uh, that's when I was working on the ranch and the various tractors and stuff. And it's astonishing how efficient tractors are. People don't know with their updraft carburetors and such like that. They were really efficient, but you'd never know that by miles per gallon on a road because you don't take a tractor on the road and do miles per gallon. You go round and round and round in a field, but you can only use five gallons of gas for a hundred horsepower engine in a whole day. So people didn't realize how efficient the technologies were out there where it wasn't causing any waves. So in any case, I decided to start a business after I left home and what have you selling this. Well, I did research in fuel saving and I became an automotive mechanic, and I did research on things like vapor carburetors. And this one particular manifestation that I was using, which was actually an adaptation of a technology developed by Mercedes of Mercedes-Benz over 100 years before that, just in the late 1800s, early 1900s, they developed this vapor carburetor system that was never put on a vehicle. So a lot of the things I did as an inventor was go back in the early patents and find things and just bring them up into modern technology. So this particular vapor system would pull air through the system. I call it the HICO-2A. 
and it would essentially pre-vaporize the fuel. The simple idea is if you I keep having to go back and back, <laughs> the idea of getting better fuel mileage has to do with only gasoline vapors burn. If you put any liquid gasoline into the engine, it's pretty much wasted. By the time it turns to vapor, mixes with air, it's already going out the exhaust. So to prevent fuel from going out the exhaust, they add even more fuel. And so that when the fuel vaporizes, it actually makes a mixture that's too rich to burn and it quenches the fuel. And that's also why you get a lot of carbon buildup in the engines and things like that. You're actually putting as much fuel out the exhaust or more than you're burning in the engine for actual power. So to get the most efficiency, you simply pre-vaporize the fuel so that when the spark plug fires, the fuel vapors burn and then it's done. You have cool exhaust and very high efficiency. Okay. So the idea is to vaporize as much of the fuel as possible before the spark plug fires, and this evaporator system would do that. So a portion of the fuel would go through this evaporization system, so I wouldn't need as much of the liquid fuel the regular carburetor would put out to make the vapor that I needed for the engine to run. So I had two fuel systems going at the same time. I had this vapor fuel system and my carburation system, and as the engine vacuum would drop, in other words, go toward more atmospheric pressure, the regular carburation system would take over, and as the engine vacuum would rise, in other words, going with less engine load, the vapor system would take over more in this particular system. And I needed a way to shut off the regular carburetor in exact ratio to the vaporization system, else I'd be putting fuel in from two different fuel systems. And I developed something that I subsequently called the carburetor enhancer, and I would essentially putting a vacuum on the float bowl of the regular carburetor, and the more vacuum you put on the float bowl, the less fuel would go off into the engine. So as the vacuum would rise and more vapors would be coming in from the Heiko 2A, the vacuum would also prevent fuel from going in the carburetor. So that made a really good balanced system. And then I was going to mechanics school at the time, and in this particular 1977 Volari uh, vehicle with about a 350 cubic inch engine, and my vapor system wasn't working, so I shut it off to drive into town. And as I drove into town and back out again, I noticed my fuel mileage was about 30% higher than the normal range. Like I kept close records of my fuel economy so that I, I would know if what I was doing was working or not. So I shut off that device that I now call the carburetor enhancer because I had accidentally left that turned on. So it was putting a vacuum on the float bowl. And it turns out that vacuum on the float bowl was also increasing in the carburetor, they, they have something called emulsification or air bleed systems. And that's what turns the fuel's gush into a fuel spray, which the, the size of the spray droplets affects how much of the fuel evaporates. So the carburetors with very good air bleed systems got much better fuel economy. And in this particular case, by putting a vacuum on the float bowl, I increased the efficiency of the air bleed system of the carburetor enough that I was getting a 30% increase in the fuel economy. I shut it off and it went right back to baseline. I turned it on, 30% increase. So all of a sudden I had something you could buy $5 worth of parts at a hardware store, modify the carburetor, take about an hour hood up to hood down, and you get a 30 to 25% increase in fuel economy. Now the carburetors like the Ford Motorcraft 2150 got essentially a 100% increase in fuel economy because it had such advanced air bleed systems in it. So all of a sudden I had something I could sell. So I started Selling the carburetor enhancer, first I was just installing them on hundreds of people's vehicles in, in my local area. And I had people booked uh, three or four weeks in advance and back-to-back -back lining up in the driveway getting these, these systems on. 
and then I turned it into a do-it-yourself book because I approached this particular company that did infomercials, and they were very interested in this, the advantage of this fuel saver, and that, like, say, back in the 70s, early 80s, fuel saving was a big thing. But then they immediately, after they learned that it was only $5 of parts you could buy in a hardware store, they said, no, I, we won't take it on. We want something that's pretty much exclusive. You can't just build it yourself. So I thought to myself, why don't I just write up assembly plans and start selling a book on how to do this and go mail order and what have you. And that sold really well, really, really well, the <laughs> book. And a lot of people, hundreds of thousands of people were getting better fuel economy. I think I've helped over 300,000 people get better fuel economy so far to date. Wow. And then people were saying, well, I don't want to go to the hardware store and buy, you know, these things. Can you sell a kit? So I sold a kit and that did fairly well. And we weren't really getting into the suppression part really at that point. But I must have caught somebody's attention. Because when I started then selling the vapor system that went with that, the Heiko 2A system, I started selling and it was fine and, and up to about $5,000 a month income was fine. But right about the point where I really accelerated and I was going up to about $50,000 a month income, I was shut down. I was shut down hard. And the first thing that they did was they simply shut off all of the deliveries in the United States and Canada. I'm a dual citizen. I was working in both countries and sending mail out in both countries live next to the border. Anyway, the point was, I was away writing a book at the time, and my mailroom, the people I had filling the orders, if a customer reported back that they hadn't received their package, I would automatically just send out one, because, you know, one in a hundred or so, a few a year would get lost. And, but it turned out that all of them, all packages of a certain size, were not getting delivered to the customers. So I I came back from my sabbatical, having written another book, and discovered what was going on. So at this point, two times of sending out had been gone. And I'm a very poor businessman, so I didn't have a very high markup on these because I was trying to save people money. So at this particular point, I had to send out a third one. And in this third one, I insured every single package for three times the value of what was in the package. And you could do that back in those days. Nowadays, they don't allow you to do that. And then a month later, when they still weren't getting it, everybody who had bought one still wasn't getting one. I went to my post office with this fistful of insurance receipts. I tried to submit them and said, oh, no, you have to be 90 days. It has to be 90 days not delivered before you can submit the thing. So I waited the 90 days and I went to submit them. And what they did was they sent a letter out to everybody asking, did you actually receive this package before they would pay me my insurance? Every single one of those third one that I had insured was then delivered to the person three days before they received the letter saying, did you receive the package? Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. How about that? But I was out of business. At that point, I was out of business. It took me years to get back. But when I came back, they started doing some other interesting things. Like in Canada, they have a program called CBC and on CBC they have a show called Marketplace. And Marketplace, it looks at frauds and things like that. And because I was selling a fuel saver, I was on the list that they were checking out to uh, check out for frauds. 
Well, they did report on five fuel savers that didn't work. Mine was not one of the ones that they reported on because my fuel saver did work. And when they tested it, it did work. So they essentially put on a program that told everybody that fuel savers don't work and gave these five examples. And it pretty much made my Canadian sales drop off to nothing almost overnight because people assumed that no fuel savers worked, even though my fuel saver was not on the list. So that's one way that suppression happens. But I was also investigated seven times by various government agencies, by the state attorney general of Idaho, by Canadian Consumer and Corporate Affairs, by a whole bunch of different entities investigated my business seven different times. Every single time there was no issue with the business because I had zero customer complaints. Not one single customer they could find would testify against me. In fact, it's funny. There was a <laughs> there was a guy in Washington State that I met at one time during one of my trips out, and he said, George, I want to be a distributor. He said, I bought your fuel saver knowing that it wouldn't work. I tested it on my car, and it worked better than I ever could imagine. He said, I bought it specifically because I was going to sue you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he said, but I can't sue you. It works. So I'd like to be a distributor. <laughs> wow. Well, that does make me think of a recent guest I had, a friend of mine, really, who made the point that, yes, there is suppression when it comes to alternative fuels, energy, and medicine, but there's also a lot of bullshit, too. And because of his history in the venture capital space, he knows people who say they have investigated so much of this, and they always find the results to be oversold or it's not scalable, et cetera, et cetera, because there are independent angel investors out there and now even Dogecoin millionaires, but really these people with deep pockets who would gladly fund some of these projects, why is there such a problem connecting inventors in the alternative space with these investors? That is a really good question. And speaking from the inventor side, I've had several different investors approach me, and it turned out there was only one angel that really came through and did things. I, I had a person one time, I lived out in the country, who flew in to, in this case it was British Columbia, Canada, to a local large town, rented a limo to come out to my little farm, and dripping with diamonds, this particular person, and interviewed me and, and what have you, and went away, and I never heard from her again. I am not exactly sure why or what the situation was. But there were people who came and looked things over, and maybe I was, you know, a goat farmer and not being very impressive. They decided my technology wasn't worth anything because I didn't have the face for it. I clean up nice, by the way. If You've probably seen some videos that they showed me in. You know, <laughs> but anyway, there was one investor eventually that brought me onto his mine site in Galloway in British Columbia and said, I will pay for all your expenses, give you a place to live. In fact, they even had a maid cleaning up the house that I was living in. He said, all you have to do is work in this space and develop this technology. Essentially, I was taking over from a former inventor that had been working there on Brown's Gas and had abandoned the project. So they looked to the guy who wrote the books on Brown's Gas, and that was me. And I was actually living not too far from there, about three hours from that particular mine site. So it was a slam dunk to go over. And at that point, I had 
become divorced from my wife and I'd lost my little farm and I was kind of open. So it worked out really well. I went on to this mine site and I worked about 16 hours a day in this little laboratory. And what he wanted was Brown's gas to treat ore. That's what the mine site was about. And I did that and it worked really, really well. For example, a copper ore, you can increase three times the amount of copper you got from the same ore if you cooked it with the Brown's gas. It was phenomenal. So he was really happy and we had a good relationship there. And at that point, I developed the large water torches and what have you. He sponsored that research as well. And the research really got ahead from that particular angel. But most other investors, they want control. They want something that's already ready to go, and then they want control of it as well. Mm -hmm. I even tried with the AquaCure machine. I tried approaching people from Shark Tank to get them interested. And I couldn't even get past the people you have to get past to talk to the people. Hmm. They weren't interested. And I've made millions of dollars now selling the AquaCure machines. And, and these guys, just from essentially working in a two-car garage, and these guys, they would have made hundreds of millions of dollars. And they still would, and they still could if they were invested in it now, if they invested. Yeah, Mark Cuban, where are you at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I do want to get deeper into the AquaCure. And just to let the audience know, obviously, along the way, you've discovered multiple different uses for Brown's gas. People should watch your presentation at the Water Conference in Germany a few years back because you do run through these. Apparently, you can clean radioactive waste more efficiently than anything in a very short amount of time. You created a, a flame torch, a welding torch that can burn through tungsten but isn't hot to the touch. I mean, there seems to be a lot of applications, but this ore thing you're talking about, this is really interesting to me because we like to talk about things like alchemy and transmutation. And on your website, there is a, a mention of transmutation and you say that Maybe there's been a discovery of two different processes that would work here. That was also one of the audience questions. Do you consider yourself an alchemist? But apparently when you cook minerals in Brown's gas, you can make rubies, sapphires, diamonds, precious stones. You mentioned moonstone being made from felspar. Can you elaborate a little bit on this? Because it seems pretty powerful, a little mystical. <laughs> I'll start with not diamonds. It burns diamonds. Diamonds are carbon. And the Brown's gas, one of the reasons it works in fuel saving so well is that it increases the combustion efficiency of carbon-based fuels by being a catalyst that lowers the endothermic energy necessary to break apart the carbon bonds. And so it does that really efficiently with diamonds. So it doesn't melt diamonds or make diamonds. It burns diamonds. So if anybody has a wedding ring that they don't want anymore, they can they can get rid of that diamond. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So, but everything else you said, absolutely right. One of the things in this particular mine they had was a very clean feldspar. And if you have clean feldspar that doesn't have very much iron in it and you melt it, it makes a transparent moonstone. And there's only one place in the world where you can get transparent moonstone, but you can artificially make it with the grounds gas. And that is stronger than steel. In fact, they did an article in Popular Mechanics about making bridges out of moonstone because they'd last forever and be corrosion resistant and they're stronger than steel and all that stuff. So I used to do a little dog and pony show every Saturday at the mine where he'd have investors come in and I'd show them all the amazing things that Brown's gas could do. It was fun. 
But everything else, the rubies, the uh, sapphires, the emeralds, all those kind of things you can make with the browns gas just by melting the corundum with the appropriate impurities in it to make the various colors. By the way, if there's iron in the moonstone, it makes it black. So you can have transparent or black or anything else, depending on what impurities are in there. As far as the two different ways of transmutation, yes, the browns gas does transmutation two different ways. One of the ways we discovered was, you remember my mentioning this chiropractor, his name is Lloyd Jacob. He fell down some stairs and broke his neck, supposedly. And so that isn't happening anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was using this machine for years that I had given him. And during those years time, he brought the machine up three different times for a clean out because there was a sludge form in the machine. Now, originally we thought that sludge was pretty much from any impurities that were in the water because impurities that are in the water you put in the machine stay in the machine and only the hydrogen and oxygen from the water come out turns out that wasn't really true while some of that is happening it turns out that the actual sludge is transmuted material and we tested that material and found that it contained exactly in exact ratio the same materials as in stainless steel plates stainless steel and we you were using stainless steel plates as the electrodes so we had 19 pounds of electrodes when the machine is new we took 19 pounds of essentially sludge stainless steel out of the machine over these three clean out times now there was a little water it was wet but essentially 19 pounds and the plates still weighed 19 pounds after three clean outs so the machine was making stainless steel, iron and chromium and those kind of materials inside the machine itself. So that's one way that transmutation is happening. Another way that it happens is what we were talking about just recently where we're cooking the ore. So if you have an ore, and I was a prospector for a while as well and learned a bunch of things, and there's creeks that generate gold. There is no mother load, but the creek has gold in it every year. If you're doing placer mining and the water that comes down so the prospectors theorized that there was some sort of transmutation happening upstream where when the water is going over certain minerals, it would build up a mixture like making a cake, for example. You put these ingredients together and you cook them and, and you have a cake. But if you don't cook it, you don't end up with the cake. So what we're thinking is when you have a certain combination of materials together, like the things that make copper, actual copper metal from the copper ore, and you cook it, you get that uh, copper. And I theorize that when you're cooking it with the Brown's gas flame, cooking this ore that isn't copper and wouldn't show up in copper in any kind of an assay, but now you're cooking the ore, more of it turns to copper than there was before. So that's why you're getting three times more copper out of the ore than you would otherwise. And there's some other side effects like the platinum-based metals. A lot of times they can't get it processed because there's too much iron and the iron interferes with the processing of it. Whereas when you cook it with the browns gas, you cook the iron off, and then you can process the ore and, and get more of the platinum-based metals. There are lots of different ways that you could use the flame to make a higher quality ore and get more metal out of it. So that, that's the kind of things we we're talking about with the transmutation. Oh, then there's the third thing. Sorry, I forgot about this one. <laughs> there was a fellow by the name of Joseph Bender and Norman Wooten who were working together. I think his company was called Rainfresh back in the day. I haven't heard from him in quite a while. But they called me up one day and they said, we made new water. And new water is where you 
collect the condensation from the flame. So the hydrogen and oxygen of the Brown's gas is turning back into water, and we call that new water. There's various reasons we call it new water, but you collect that condensation and they put it in a bottle. And the bottle was sitting next to another bottle, which was the same size and shape, because it was a minerals bottle. I don't know if they still do it, where it had 50 different minerals. You put it in a cup and you drink that down to get your vitamins and minerals kind of thing. Hmm. So these two bottles were sitting on a shelf and the sunlight was shining through the full bottle, mineralized bottle. And in the shadow of that bottle was the bottle of new water. And they noticed that there was a sludge forming in that new water. And that doesn't make any sense at all because there's nothing in that bottle but H2O. There's, hmm. And they tested that sludge. It ended up being about 10 ounces, as I understand, which was really significant amount of sludge. They tested that and found that it contained every single mineral that was in that bottle that was sitting next to it that was being imprinted on from the sun, from the solar. Wow. I thought that's where you're going to go with that. And I've heard little examples and stories like that, the memory of water and apparently this ability for it to transport things. That's crazy. I love hearing that, though. Yes. There's way more about water that we don't know than we do. I can tell you that for absolute fact. I've seen some things that I haven't been able to duplicate, but they happened at least once, and I know personally that they did happen. So I don't know how to duplicate it happening, but there's things that happen that would revolutionize the world as we know it. Mm. Uh, it's astonishing. I, I, just <laughs> as an example, one particular experiment, and I had a friend of mine lives in Germany now, married a woman over there, standing next to me when this happened. We had an electrolyzer running. It was one of my very early designs. I still have it, actually. And it was producing about a bubble a second, okay, about a quarter-inch diameter bubble a second. Just boop, 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 boop. Nothing very exciting or anything. We were just running it there, testing one particular thing or another. And all of a sudden, for no reason I know of whatsoever, it started to produce, I'm going to say, at least a thousand times more gas. It practically blew the water out of the cup that the hose was in. It was, mm -hmm. it was just a huge amount for a few seconds. It wasn't just an explosion. It continued like that. And then all of a sudden, there was a little, almost a ping sound. And then it went back to boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Weird. If we hadn't been standing there watching it at that instant, we wouldn't have seen this astonishing amount of gas where something all lined up in that electrolyzer to the point where it was splitting water with no more electricity than normal. And this particular power supply that I was using was amperage limited. It was fixed. There was no way that you could suddenly be putting a thousand times more wattage into the machine. So that there was no possible way that that could happen. Interesting. Man, this is exciting. There's a lot of kind of advanced and weird stuff I want to ask you about, but I can't believe we've gone over 30 minutes and barely mentioned the AquaCure. This is something people are going to want to know about. It is the water electrolyzer Brown's gas machine that you sell retail for the health benefits. And you can both drink the water once the bubbles go through it and inhale the gas there's a range of conditions that seem to go away and that list is very long because it's really just apparently allowing the body to self-correct, but you list the various conditions in the water conference presentation, things like melanoma, arthritis, skin conditions, autoimmune issues, hair growth, libido, general vitality. 
can you maybe talk to us about some of the most impressive testimonials you've heard recently and maybe demystify the healing for people? What is going on under the hood when we really get down to it? Oh, man. Let's, in short, say it helps the body heal from virtually every ailment known to man. (laughs) Powerful statement. Whatever ails you, you're likely to do it. And just to give a little background on that, our bodies are 62% hydrogen, 24% oxygen, 12% carbon, and 2% everything else, vitamins and minerals that people usually concentrate on, instead of the 62%. So hydrogen is our most important macronutrient. And most people aren't getting the hydrogen that they need because the way that hydrogen is generated in the body has been compromised. We can get into that a little later if we have more time. So hydrogen supplementation is absolutely essential in order for people to get healthy. And just a quick little history, I stumbled into the Brown's Gas for Health, the Hydrogen for Health. It was actually almost beat upon me by my customers. I had no idea that hydrogen could be used for health. One of my customers in 1996 had one of these water torches. And for some reason, I have no idea why, bubbled the gas in water and put it in a cotton sponge and put it on the melanoma on his forehead. And then within three weeks, it healed the melanoma. I did not believe him, but I did send out the information to the other thousands of people like I knew that had saying it's a potential use for health, the Brown's gas. And hundreds of these people had Brown's gas machines of one kind or another and started experimenting with it. And the testimonials I was getting back were astonishing. But it still took me until 2005, nine years before I actually drank a glass of bubbled water myself. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started drinking the bubbled water just to prove it was safe so I could endorse it. I haven't been sick since then. I've had sniffles a couple of times, but in a few hours, it's been gone. And both those times were after long distance flights on an airplane, interestingly enough. Wow. Where I didn't have my Browns gas and drinking the water or anything and one was intercontinental. In other words, other flights, long flights. So getting back to the Browns Gas for Health then, in 2007, I started selling the machines because in two years I hadn't ever got sick and I, I was fine. I said, I endorse it. Here's a machine that is specifically made for or optimized for bubbling the water. And then from 2007 to 2016, people were asking me, can we inhale the gas? And because I was always using it for combustion, I was always saying, no, it's an explosive mixture. Don't inhale it. I don't want to see people's lungs splattered on the walls. And I was wrong. I was very, very, very wrong because in 2015, December of 2015, a customer sent me a video saying or showing a Korean hydrogen bar. And the machine they were using in there was a Brownscast machine in the hydrogen bar. I knew that machine very well. And people would just come in and buy a treatment like we buy a cup of coffee. They'd sit there for a while in a comfortable chair and kind of meditate and and, uh, inhale the Brown's gas. And I realized at that point, what I should have realized right from the start is, is if you mix the Brown's gas with enough air, it is not explosive and you're still getting a therapeutic benefit. Now, about that time in 2007, a fellow by the name of Tyler DeBaron, who was a medical student at the time, got a hold of me because he was very interested in hydrogen for health. And we did a few consultations, and we've kept in touch ever since. So now he's Dr. Tyler DeBaron and has one of the very best Hydrogen for Health websites, molecularhydrogeninstitute.com, on the Internet. So as it progressed, 
my wife at the time, late wife now, said no one would ever buy this piece of scientific looking apparatus and no woman would buy it. So she advised me to put it in a case. And then my current wife said the same thing along with some, a lot of other people. So once I started inhaling the gas in March of 2016 and decided that it was safe and efficacious to, because I, I thought it was healthy at the time. I did not inhale the gas because I was expecting to get healthier or to have any health benefits which I've had many health benefits. It's amazing. People guess my age at 10 to 15 years younger than I am. My hair has started growing back. My neuropathy's disappeared. My warts disappeared. I no longer needed to wear glasses. There's so many things that happened. I can't even remember all the things that I was living with before. In any case, I did build it into a case and stuff, and then that became the first Aquacures that I introduced at a Tesla symposium in Albuquerque, New Mexico, back in 2016, and everything has developed from then. Hmm. Impressive. And just for people who are unfamiliar, there's been several studies that have done on plants. Apparently, they grow three times bigger or 10 times bigger in a hydroponic process. Fish swimming in it have grown three times in size and apparently live longer Chickens that were given Brown's gas doubled their egg yield overnight. It seems like there's just so many applications for anything that's living. It, it benefits from this. You mentioned that our hydrogen sources have been compromised. What's that about? Okay, so we can't breathe in hydrogen because there really isn't any hydrogen in the air. It's an oxygen-nitrogen mixture. So where do we get our hydrogen from? People would ask. And you get it from your food. We eat hydrocarbons, okay, which are hydrogens attached to carbons, and we have to digest them. But it takes a lot of energy to break apart the hydrogen-carbon bonds. So we start by masticating our food in our mouth and putting in some enzymes, and then the food goes down into the stomach, and the acids work with it, and it goes into the lower intestines, and you've got your bile and everything, and some digestion takes place. And then it gets to the colon. This is the important part as far as hydrogen is concerned because the specialized bacteria – that break apart after this food is all prepared and the enzymes and catalysts are there, the bacteria use that to break apart the hydrogen-carbon bonds and the hydrogen then goes out into the bloodstream in your colon. Your colon actually breathes. That's where you get your hydrogen from. And if you have stinky gas coming out to your rectum, that's methane, and that means the hydrogen breaking hasn't been very complete. You've got your poor hydrogen attached to a carbon, and that makes the methane gas coming out. When it breaks down entirely, the gas that comes out your backside, if it hasn't gone through your colon, is actually not smelly. It's hydrogen gas coming out of you. So that's how you get your hydrogen normally. Now, what happens is virtually everything that we use in our modern technology kills those bacteria. The glyphosate in the artificial sweeteners, all these different chemicals, and antibiotics. Mm. Antibiotics kill bacteria. That's what they're made to do. <laughs> right. And they kill the good bacteria along with the bad bacteria. So people, they take probiotics and stuff, but probiotic mixtures don't have these particular bacteria in them yet because it's still a new science learning about this thing that generate the hydrogen. So that's why we're doing the hydrogen supplementation because we don't have those bacteria in our guts anymore because our modern civilization with the miracles of antibiotics and all of these other chemicals, have killed those bacteria. Hmm. 
Well, that's a great explanation. We know that so many industrialized processes, particularly in food and medicine, are super backwards and not yielding nearly the results that the arrogance of the industries would suggest. And I mean, that's just more fuel for the fire. Yeah. And I know you're always getting testimonials about all kinds of things people are seeing with the use of the AquaCure and Brown's Gas, and people have used it on their pets. I heard you mention in one previous interview that some pregnant ladies were opting to use it and you were interested in seeing those results. Is there any follow-up on that? Not specifically. There have been pregnant ladies use it and they haven't gotten back to me about their results. I'm assuming everything went well <laughs> because I think I would have heard if it didn't. Right, right. And when we were talking about the fish, the fish would grow three times faster, not three times bigger. So in the same time, like say a month range, your fish would be three times bigger. But when they reached the full size that they would normally reach, they wouldn't get any bigger than that. They would just grow faster. Right on. Faster, but live longer, huh? And they lived longer. That's exactly right as well. And that goes back to there's a Japanese study that had to do with because Japanese have an obsession with long life, long, healthy life. And in this particular study that they did, I'm saying 10 years or so ago, they took a group of families that were long lived. All the members in the family tended to live 100 plus years old and a group that were very short lived. They would live only in the uh, 50, 60 year range as a family. And they measured the hydrogen output, the hydrogen and the breath of both these groups of people. And they found it was consistent that the people that did not live long did not have very much hydrogen in their output breath. Because it's when they eat and the hydrogen goes into their bloodstream through their colon, any excess hydrogen is exhaled. And that's the same with the Brown's gas machine or the AquaCure. If you inhale more hydrogen than you need, your body just exhales the excess. That's why there's virtually zero toxicity. And the group of Japanese that were long-lived had consistent excess hydrogen in their output breath. So they concluded that the hydrogen was a major contributor to the longevity of these Japanese families. Follow that up with several mouse studies that showed that a 30 to 50% increase in the lifespan of a mouse, because humans, of course, were living over 100 years old, theoretically, at least 80. I think the median age is 80 or 82 right now. Mm -hmm. So it takes a long time to learn if you're inhaling hydrogen. I've only been inhaling hydrogen since March of 2016. So however long it is at that time. And I started when I was near 60 years old. So it'll be tough to know how much longer my life would have been. And it would be very interesting to know if people, young people, would be inhaling this right from the start, how long their lives would be. But the mouse study showed a 30 to 50% life extension. And there was one particular rat study that was doubling its lifespan. And they killed the rats because the experiment was over with. And it, they were using the hydrogen to do some other medical things for heart conditions and things like that. They weren't actually measuring lifespan. But the rats weren't dying. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So they just killed them because so they were living they just killed too long. Them, yeah. they, they, who knows how long those rats would have lived. All right. Well, that's science for you. That's how they do things in that <laughs> science business world. But so 
I got to ask you this. This pandemic thing we've been dealing with, it should probably get a mention. I've actually heard you talk about some pretty heartwarming stuff that you've seen in the past year with sharing of machines, people running hoses over to a neighbor and self-healing outside of the Rockefeller medical system. But instead of medically induced comas, ventilators, lockdowns and quarantines, and now this uh, rights restoring nearly mandatory vaccine, if the CDC had just mailed everyone an AquaCure, would that have been enough to solve this problem? Absolutely no question whatsoever. Absolutely. And some people even floated that idea to me. How much would it take if I had a couple billion dollars? How many machines could I make kind of thing? Well, it turns out that if people didn't understand this disease. I'll be very specific on there, but then I wanted to talk about an inexpensive mitigation that would have stopped this disease in its tracks. Let's just point out that Brown's gas is actually, there's a book out on hydrogen for mitigating the virus du jour. But getting back to the actual Brown's gas, it's the number one treatment in China for mitigating this virus du jour. Number one. And there's Chinese videos that are showing at the point where people would be getting a ventilator, the disease had progressed to the point where the cytokine storm in the lungs was happening. And it's very important to know the pathology of the disease before you actually start to treat it. And that's what's happening is that people don't know the actual pathology of the disease. But in any case, when they, when they started inhaling the Brown's gas, even if they're at the point where the doctors would want to ventilate, they start breathing easier and their blood oxygen levels come up from just inhaling the Brown's gas. And within three days, they're walking out of the hospital. It's that profoundly efficient. I have not heard of a single person getting this virus du jour who is inhaling the Brown's gas every day. They may become infected, but they show no symptoms. And there is no such thing as an asymptomatic spreader either, by the way. Right. There was a 10 million person study that proved that, as well as a bunch of other smaller studies. And that was being proven even shortly after the Princess cruise ship. Even before that, they were showing that there are no asymptomatic spreaders. But then we'll get back to why there isn't. Okay, there's two things I want to do. First of all, the pathology. Yes. This particular virus is extraordinarily easy to mitigate if you know what's actually going on. And what's actually going on is it's a blood disease, not a respiratory disease. The doctors can be forgiven up until now because they should know by now because that it's a respiratory disease because when the people would can't breathe and go to the hospital, that's what they would be thinking is they're trained to think horses, not unicorns. Trained to think if people can't breathe, there's low blood oxygen, it's a lung problem. Mm-hmm. If not used to having a blood problem. Now, doctors that were used to blood problems like cancer of the blood and stuff like that, where the blood doesn't carry oxygen very well, they started to think of this other thing that could possibly be. And so what happens is the virus gets into the red blood cells and kicks out the iron. There's no iron in the red blood cells. The red blood cells can't carry oxygen. So you have blood circulating in your system that isn't picking up any oxygen and your blood oxygen levels drop. And that's the very first symptom of this virus du jour. So if everyone was given a pulse oximeter so they could measure their own blood oxygen every morning, and as soon as it started to drop, they could self-isolate and treat it, 
this thing would be over in two weeks. The whole thing would be done, gone. Mm -hmm. That's it. So that's the uh, easy thing. Now, getting back to the actual pathology, virtually every symptom of this virus du jour is caused by low blood oxygen, the kidney failures, the blood clots, the, all, the, all the kind of things that are happening. So as soon as you can get the blood oxygen level back up. So what would happen with these normal treatments that really work, that don't require a vaccine, is it would get the uh, virus kicked out of the red blood cell. And the way to do that is to put a bunch of zinc into the red blood cells. But you can't put the zinc into the red blood cells without something called an ionophore. And an example of the ionophores is hydroxychloroquine. But there's, beyond aside, there's a whole bunch of different ionophores that can put zinc into the red blood cells. As soon as the zinc is in the red blood cells, it stops the viral replication and the red blood cell can recover and pull the iron, which is still floating around in the plasma, so iron, heme, ferritin, whatever you want to call it, goes back into the red blood cells and they start carrying oxygen again that quickly. But the Brown's gas, with these electrons in the electrically expanded water, when the electrons get onto the red blood cell, even if it doesn't have very much iron in it, it gives the red blood cell a charge. And that charge accepts the oxygen, grabs the oxygen. So even if you have low iron in your red blood cells, the Brown's gas immediately, within minutes, gets the oxygen levels back up in your blood because it allows blood to start accepting oxygen again. And now we get into suppression. Obviously, no treatment, including the number one treatment in China. So what, what is it, 1.4 billion people or whatever? This is the number one treatment right here for the virus du jour. And over in China, they're not having any troubles with the virus. They're going full steam over there. And over here, it's all about getting the vaccinations and the reasons for that. I'm not sure how much your uh, people know about that. but it, Probably it, too it, much. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes no sense to treat the virus with vaccinations because now we're getting into exactly the same situation that we did with antibiotics. Overuse of antibiotics made super bacteria. Overuse of the vaccines is doing exactly the same thing. It's making super mutant strains because any virus that survives the vaccination now can spread and become stronger and stronger. So instead of viruses dying out like the common cold does every winter, the vaccinations are making it stronger and stronger. Then we get into the pathogenic priming and the prions and stuff like that. I don't know if you uh, <laughs> get into that. But the vaccinations are very bad, very bad idea. And the Brown's gas machines not only take care of the virus du jour, but they help all ailments, everything, everything in your body, it brings it to homeostasis. And you get healthy and you live long and you live healthy. You live an enjoyable life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that is very consistent with what a lot of guests have talked about around here. It's crazy that so many people can be on the same page yet can't seem to break through to the main stage. It's uh, an interesting situation we're in. But when it comes to the AquaCure machine, it must be very frustrating to have this kind of miracle device, and yet it's not breaking through to the degree that it should. You say on the website that you can't legally call the AquaCure a medical device, so you say it's for use in plants and animals until you're able to get a medical certification. Where are you in that process? There's actually a process in the United Kingdom going right now to get a medical certification for the AquaCure, but that takes quite a long time. 
Yeah, it's not a vaccine, right? Not an experimental gene therapy they can just get out in the market. No, no, no. It's food. This is food. It's literally food. It's yeah. the same as you would get from your food. It's not a drug. And your body responds to it just like food. And if you've been deprived, if you've been deficient in this nutrient, your body has shut down those extraneous systems like your regeneration system and your immune system and all that kind of thing. And as you get this food, well, then your immune systems turn back on. You heal from viruses like all my warts disappeared because that was a virus that I had for 50 years. And when my immune system got strong enough, it got rid of those. And as my regeneration systems came back online, all my scars disappeared off my body because instead of patching the skin, my body could actually do the stem cells and regenerate the skin. Wow. It's astonishing. Yeah, it's just amazing. Wow. Well, we got a crash course in all kinds of stuff today. I definitely appreciate it. And as we're winding down here, I obviously will add a link to your website in the show notes, but is there a next phase or new area of invention you're working on? Anything to say about future plans people should know? For myself, I'm pretty much just concentrating the next few years in this AquaCure thing, getting this Brown's Gas for Health thing out there until Divine tells me that I've done my job and allows me to get back to my free energy research, which my first projects will be like that Lord's Pump that I talked about earlier, and perhaps a couple of the electromagnetic field collapsing experiments as well. I have all of the technology and storage, all my experiments and the equipment and everything sitting there waiting for me. And when I get back to it, that's what I'll be doing. Right on. You're on a mission from God, <laughs> right I, along with I, the Blues I, Brothers. I, am a, I literally am, yes. Yes. Awesome, man. Well, th this has been awesome. We covered a lot of ground, and uh, I know it's a marathon around here, so I definitely appreciate it. I wish you the best. Keep fighting the good fight and take care. Greg, it's been a pleasure to be on, and I look forward to continuing this stuff and helping anybody who listens to you and wants to be helped. Well, 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 we finally did it. After many mentions of George Wiseman and Brown's Gas, we got the lowdown from the man himself. And there's just so much to know that we probably could have done three or four hours. Obviously, because of the format of the show, it was important to talk about the AquaCure and the health implications in the first hour. And with so much background and interesting stuff about fuel economy and other uses, I was getting a little nervous there. I had some follow-up questions that I just had to let go because the health stuff is so important, but I think we were still able to do it justice for the free show listeners. And I talked to George after the show, and I asked him about a THC discount code. $2,500 is a lot of money for people, I know. I get his point that if you transform your health, this is a lot cheaper than going through the ringer of the medical establishment, but still. So I asked if there was anything we could do for you guys, and there was. If you want to get an AquaCure, and you go to George's website, eagle-research.com, and you use the coupon code HIGHERSIDE, you can get 20% off, which knocks off $500. I mean, that's a PS5 right there. And it's very generous of him. I see a lot of 10%, 15%. It's kind of rare to get a 20% discount code, and I'm very thankful that we can offer that. Do your research, make your own choices, but today I wanted to make sure that you guys were aware of the AquaCure, aware of hydrogen's effects on our health, 
And I don't think your research journey with this stuff should end here, but today we got you a good foundation. And having a lifetime warranty and a money-back guarantee, those things help too. I never want to sound like a salesman with any of the offerings of our guests, but I wouldn't interview them if I didn't think their offerings had value. And I'm just here to introduce you to alternative options because they're basically banned from mainstream society. There's no one giving them a voice. And the mainstream options are such shit, so we got to look other places. And you still have to decide what's best for you and yours and what alternative roads you really want to go further down. Believe me, I know as well as anyone, it's very difficult to do justice to fully exploring all the roads THC could get you started on. And I don't have kids or a job. (laughs) But you can find all sorts of new studies and biohacking advocates talking about monatomic hydrogen. And as I've heard George describe Brown's gas, that data applies here. But this is just going one level deeper into this supercharged form of electron-rich plasma water. When you think about a lot of our problems being from chronic dehydration, it's a little bit of wordplay, but it clicks for me that the hydrogen content in our food is not at the levels it used to be, that glyphosate and other additives and preservatives are hurting our intake. That makes sense to me, too. I think many of us know that we're kind of shoehorned into supplementing because we don't have the dedication or even access to 100% organic, grass-fed, industrialization-free foods. And AquaCure is kind of a version of that supplementation. Honestly, I've got so many supplements and pills from Clive DeCarl and Sophia Smallstorm and my own rabbit holes that I start to wonder, should a person be eating this many little plastic capsules? Starting to feel like a lot. But either way, it's not too much fun either. So maybe with an AquaCure, I can kick the allergies entirely. Maybe you could help my aging 15-year-old dog or my aging parents or help a buddy's eczema. I guess for me, when I think about the range of people in my inner circle that I might be able to help with the machine, the cost starts to come down in my mind a lot. Do you have four friends or family members that have a condition mentioned today? Is it worth $500 per person to put them back in optimal health? I don't know, but big thanks to Plus People as well, and our old pal Shaman Janir for adding some great questions to the show today. That makes up a big part of the Plus Show, and I think we at least touched on everything that was brought up in the forum. Some of which was even unprompted, which makes it a lot easier for me. And as I usually say, the Plus Show adds so much. Today was actually really powerful, one of my favorites in a long time. We laughed, we cried, we talked about story in a person's life, and destiny, and life path. To me, it put the importance of the AquaCure over the edge. Maybe it sounds weird to vet this type of device that way, but if you heard the Plus Show then I think you know what I mean. That part of the conversation added a level of authenticity that is really hard to imitate. And you'd have to be a real psychopath to go there without being genuine. So having never experienced Brown's Gas, having only seen positive reviews, I mean, even Clive DeCarl advocates for the AquaCure, 
And then having that added conversation that the plus people heard, I mean, I'm on board. I bought one myself. Let's see how it goes. But as for other plus topics, we talked about frequency modulation with the AquaCure, free energy technology, Ezekiel's wheel, anti-gravitic craft technology, how Brown's gas compares to EZ water, one of my favorite parts, plasma-based life forms and waveform intelligences. George had some interesting thoughts there. And we talked about cavitation and zero-point energy, the philosophy and unorthodox business ethics that George lives by, and signs from the afterlife. I hate to tease stuff and oversell it, but I thought it was one of the best second hours in a while, and we covered a lot of ground that was pretty unexpected. Help me help you. In times like these, signing up for THC Plus is a small but meaningful revolutionary act. And by introducing you guys to people like Dr. Lando and George Wiseman, can you see how we're slowly, show by show, eroding the stranglehold of the big machine? We're breaking the paradigm and cutting into their market share, damn near monopoly really, on health and wellness and the information that's allowed to get out and where our money goes. We all have limited funds, but every dollar spent on THC Plus or the books, products, and services of our guests is a dollar that's not going to Walmart or Amazon or Domino's or any of the mega corporations trying to completely destroy any and all alternatives and give you only shiny, shallow bullshit. So consider your role in the revolution. If it's not THC+, I hope you're voting with your dollar somehow. But that's the show. I'm psyched to get my AquaCure and report back. I haven't really taken the leap on very many things that come up on THC when it comes to like making a purchase of something. I tend to get really excited about each and every subject and then it's just on to preparing for the next show. But not this time. I pulled the trigger today. My personal health is pretty much fine, but I did this mainly because I know a lot of people with the exact conditions mentioned today, and getting them to try something like this doesn't seem like too far of a stretch. Getting them to arrange a Power of Eight intention session is probably a bridge too far for the people I know, but breathing in Brown's gas is an easier sell. It doesn't really stretch the mind too far outside of conventional thinking, so let's give it a go. If you're feeling the same way, definitely use that coupon code HIGHERSIDE and get 20% off, $500 off. Big thanks to George for offering that and for his time and for his work. If you get the chance, tell him that it made an impact on you. As for us, I think we've been on a roll lately and we're learning more with every guest. So I'm happy. I hope you're happy. Keep the fear at bay and push the big machine away. I'm getting out of here. I'll see you next time. Your move, pill pushers, jab advocates, and misguided upholders of the Rockefeller medicine modality. Your fucking When I get down, I eat a bunch of corporate junk Processed stuff that makes you fat Yeah, it's a weak and sickly people making industry 
technology And every now and then I try to quit and leave it be But it's too hard to turn it off It's getting worse and you